You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Radicals. Hello my radio friends, I'm glad you've joined me today for another presentation in the series Give Me the Bible. Today we are considering the subject of radicals. No, we're not talking about those unusual cells that swarm around our bodies in our blood and it sometimes lodge at a particular spot and grow as cancer. Those sort of radicals are bad. But the other radicals are people who choose not to conform to the status quo, the normal culture of the day. These people are sometimes thought of as weirdos and they are somewhat separated from the normal people. Often those radicals have been jeered, harassed and in many cases were unpopular with mainstream society. Over the history of the earth, there have been people who were quite radical in their thinking, and some of these people have brought great benefits to the rest of society. Among them have been inventors, political activists, social reformers, and daredevils. Take, for example, Christopher Columbus. Up to and during his early lifetime, people generally thought the earth was flat. Sailors feared going too far from land as they imagined they would sail right off the edge of the earth. In the far reaches of the sea, maps had written on them, Here be dragons. Columbus an Italian, thought the world was round and set out on a voyage from Spain going west across the Atlantic Ocean to get to the Spice Islands, what we now call Indonesia and the Philippines. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. You might have learned that in school. But Columbus was right. He reached what we now call the Bahamas, just short of the Americas, before returning to Europe. His discovery led to other exploration. For example, Magellan sailing around the world, Amerigo Vespucci discovering America. What Columbus did changed the world and was possibly responsible for the eventual discovery and settlement of Australia. Columbus was a radical. Now consider those who fought against the establishment to abolish slavery and the slave trade. English merchants and sea captains were running a successful business, capturing from 35,000 to 50,000 Africans each year and shipping them across to America and selling them as slaves. It was a cruel 
inhumane business. John Newton, who wrote the lyrics to the hymn Amazing Grace, was once one of those slave traders. But he reformed and became a Christian. But the radical who fought against the slave trade was William Wilberforce, who, against much opposition, eventually managed to get enough support in the British Parliament to have a bill passed in 1807 outlawing slave trading in the whole of the British Empire. Wilberforce was a radical. And let us not forget Emmeline Pankhurst, who believed in justice for women and fought hard for suffrage, that is, the right for women to vote for their leaders. Pankhurst suffered much ridicule, yet, despite the difficulties, she fought hard for her beliefs and principles, and in 1918, in England, a bill was passed that women had equal rights to men to vote. Interestingly, under the leadership of a lady named Mary Lee, women had the right to vote in South Australia in 1894, 24 years before women could vote in England, the mother country as it's called. Lee and Pankhurst were radicals. And, there was, and then there was the issue about child labour. In many countries, especially during the Industrial Revolution, children were forced to work sometimes up to 16 hours a day. There were such radicals as the writer Charles Dickens, who were horrified that children as young as six worked in factories and mines and as a result suffered disease and malnutrition. They did not live long lives. Activists, radicals, fought against child labour in Britain and over a period of years culminating in 1867, no children in Britain could be forced to work. But in America, it wasn't until the 1940s that children had the same rights. Now I've mentioned but a few of the radicals who have had a profound influence on your life and mine in this day in age and age. Thank God for radicals. By far the radical who has had the greatest influence worldwide is Jesus Christ. He has influenced the lives of more people than anyone else. He has had more books written about him and about his teachings than any other single individual who's ever lived on this planet. Yet, he didn't come as a political activist. Activist, he didn't come in a blaze of glory with the support of a great majority. He came peaceably and humbly. Yet his message brought about massive change in individuals and society at large.
He came simply, if you like, as an unknown, from a poor family, from a small town in a small country. Yet his influence has been profound. That influence has reached down through the ages and is still a powerful influence in the world today. How could this individual have such a huge influence on the thinking and behaviour of so many people for such a long length of time? The simple answer is because it was who he was and what he taught. The Bible records some of Jesus' statements. In the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 and 22, is a typical example of Jesus' teaching. Jesus said to the assembled people, You have heard it said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Jesus spoke about murder, divorce, taking oaths, and dealing with enemies in the same way. You might have noticed he, uh, that he said, you have heard it said, meaning it is common knowledge about such and such, but I say to you, thus and thus. Who did he think he was? Well, the people flocked to hear what Jesus taught, and crowds continually, continually followed him around just to hear what he had to say, and they loved it. We can read how the people reacted in the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 22. Jesus had been teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum on the Sabbath, and Mark records the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one having authority, not as the teachers of the law. The people noticed that Jesus had authority. They took more notice of him than their most learned teachers. There was something special about him. If you read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you should come to the realisation that Jesus was no ordinary person. He was God who came to this earth to not only show the people how to live, but to become the means by which repentant sinners could be saved. Jesus did not deny his divinity, and the unbelieving Jews eventually murdered him because they would not accept his claims to be God. These unbelieving Jews regarded what Jesus said about himself as blasphemy. Who was right, the Jews or Jesus? There are three possibilities about Jesus. He could have been a deluded madman. He could have been lying. Or perhaps he told the truth and really was 
who he said he was. There was no doubt in the minds of all the New Testament writers. They were convinced about his divinity. They recorded the miraculous healings that Jesus performed. They spoke about his gentleness and humility, and they saw the joy people had when Jesus was with them. In the Gospel of John, John introduces Jesus in the first few verses. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him were all things made, and without him was made nothing that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And then in verse 9 John wrote, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Over and over again, the other New Testament writers wrote with absolute conviction that Jesus was divine. And I too, dear listeners, am convinced of Jesus' divinity, of his mission to come to this earth, to pay the price for everyone's sins by accepting death on himself on our behalf. I am convinced that Jesus rose to life again, and is currently in heaven as our great high priest. I am convinced that Jesus is coming again in person to collect those who have been faithful to him and to give them, that is, us, eternal life. It's time for a break. We'll go on straight afterwards. your blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done, when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you feel discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy, you are called to bear? Count your many blessings, every doubt will fly And you will be singing as the days go by Count your blessings, name them one by one Count your many blessings, see what God has done When you look at others with their lands and gold Christ has promised you a wealth untold 
Count your many blessings money cannot buy Your reward in heaven or your home on high Count your blessings, name them one by one Count your many blessings, see what God has done So what was it that Jesus said that had such an influence on people and has such a profound influence on the lives of people today? Jesus gave them hope. Hope of a better life in the present and hope of eternal life without the problems and effects of sin in the future. He spoke about another kingdom, a spiritual one, free from the uncertainties of oppression and injustice. So what were some of his radical teachings? In Matthew 5, Jesus spoke about how to deal with one's enemies. It was so radical that it was completely opposite to what people thought should be. uh, Commencing at verse 38, we read, You have heard it said that an eye is for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That was a radical statement back 2,000 years ago, and it is just as radical today. 
But the psychology behind this statement is astounding. By being positive towards someone who does nasty things to you takes all the wind out of their sails. How can that aggressor continue doing nasty things to someone who gives kindness in return? Instead of being an enemy to your enemy, by being a friend ends the negativity in the relationship. That way there's nothing to be enemies about. Instead, friendship takes its place. Yes, you might say, uh, but it's not always easy to do that. I agree, but it works. With regard to turning the other cheek, there is also great wisdom in this radical statement. When someone punches you in the face the first time, you're the victim whether or not you deserve that punch. But when you offer your face for another punch, the tables are turned. In an instant, the relationship changes. You turn from being the victim to being the master. The aggressor probably felt that you deserved the first punch. But how would he feel about giving an undeserved punch? How would he feel if you offered no resistance, no hostility? He would probably feel like a coward who punches unworthily. So what was this special radical Jesus Christ like? I'd like to share a quote with you. It's from a book entitled Humble Hero, a revision of an earlier title, Desire of Ages, by one of America's most prolific female authors, Ellen G. White. On page 48 and 49 she writes, Nothing in Jesus responded to Satan's deceptive reasoning. He did not consent to sin. Not even by thought did he yield to temptation. It may be with us as well. Christ's humanity was united with divinity. He was fitted for the conflict by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And he came to make us partakers of the divine nature. God reaches for the hand of faith in us to direct it to grasp firmly onto the divinity of Christ so that we may reach perfection of character. Christ has shown us how to accomplish this. By what means did Christ overcome Satan? By the word of God. It is written, he said, and in every promise in God's word is ours. When temptation strikes, look to the power of the word. All its strength is yours. If you'd like a copy of this book, The Humble Hero, for yourself, contact us and we will send you one and it'll be absolutely free. So what is so different between Jesus Christ and other radicals? Other radicals, 
and there are many of them, have done good for others. But Jesus Christ has not only done good for people, but he does good in them. He changes their hearts and minds. They become different, new people. The hopeless have hope. The uncontrolled become compliant. The cruel become kind. The nasty become lovely. The purposeless become fulfilled, and sinners can become forgiven. Now that's the sort of radical worth having in your life. Jesus is the answer to the lost and sinful human condition. And if you, dear listener, wondering what your life is all about and whether or not that there is any sense in it, come to Jesus. Turn your failures, your joys, your sorrows, your doubts over to him. Invite him to lead, to guide and to fill you. And I can tell you from personal experience, it will make such a wonderful difference. Jesus has made a difference in my life and in the lives of millions of others. Why not you? Well, that's it for today. Join me again to find out more about what the Bible says next time. And until then, I wish you hope and joy and peace.